Hello, and welcome to another Mindwave uh, mini-episode, I guess you could say. Uh, Jenner put one of these out last week, and I thought he had some really good talking points. So I wanted to kind of do a little bit of my, my own. Um, so we have a pretty broad spectrum of topics that we want to cover on this show, you know, and most of it leading back to, you know, science of some sort. Um, but I think today I want to bring this to more of a political science uh, place, so to speak. I don't really know how to find my words right now. Um, but I just wanted to talk a little bit today about late stage capitalism and what that means and why many people are saying that we are in the midst of what we call late stage capitalism and what that means for us as a country and what that means for us, you know, as individuals, you know, because it's affecting everyone. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone is affected. So let me just explain what I mean by that. Late stage capitalism is pretty much defined as, you know, anything after World War II, this kind of war-fueled economy that we have, this, you know, cop-out of our government just deciding that, you know, oh, we're just going to go to war to pay for everything, which I don't know if anybody's noticed, but that doesn't fucking work. So we're kind of in this weird place of, you know, we've gone to war so many times and we've, you know, had all this technology boom and all these things that have kind of saved us by the skin of our teeth for the last, you know, 70 some odd years. And now we're getting to a point where it's not helping us as much as it is hurting us. And I think the new generation coming into adulthood now is, is realizing more and more that like, it's not ethical. It's not, you know, okay what the United States is doing on the world stage right now and the leadership that we have. I won't say any names, but I'm sure you all know who I'm talking about. Um, it's kind of launched us into this quagmire of, you know, what is okay and what is not okay for governments and businesses to be and not to be doing you know and at the end of the day regardless of what decisions are made on Capitol Hill or on Wall Street at the end of the day everybody on Main Street suffers so we're looking at an economy where you know cost of living has essentially risen and risen and risen year after year and worker pay and benefits have either stagnated or you know in terms of benefits have gone down you know the idea of a pension is you know a forgotten dream of the 50s it's not something that people have anymore pensions aren't offered in today's day and age as much as they were back in you know when america was apparently great um and I think that's a problem. Like, you know, they, they say that our generation, my generation specifically, is, you know, comp is, you know, not 
ready for the world, but you know, the factor fact of the matter is is that the world wasn't ready for us. And as much as we weren't prepared to take on a lot of the problems that we're being faced with now that we're adults and voting and, you know, part of the economy and, you know, working and taking care of our families and whatnot, you know, we've we've come into this world in a state of dismay and we're just trying to figure out how to fix it. So late stage capitalism is basically an idea coined for the purpose of, you know, identifying a state of government and a state of the economy that is grossly underserving the people who keep it moving and grossly overserving the politicians and the businesses that are enacting the laws that are allowing the politicians and the businesses to get away with a lot of the things they are. And, you know, it starts as something, you know, it sounds, it sounds almost like a conspiracy. Like I will admit, it sounds almost like a conspiracy. All the businesses and the government are taking over and we have, we have no real control over our government. And it's, you know, a dystopian nightmare come to life, I feel like, and it's only getting worse. You know, we've got as presidential candidate Andrew Yang points out, you know, this wave of automation that's taking over, you know, middle class jobs. You know, there's going to be truck drivers that are losing their jobs and there's going to be all these people that are in this economy. You know, I think he said 65 percent of our economy and the people working in it are going to be out of work and there's not going to be anything for them to do. And part of the problem I feel is that in my time in school, you know, they always pushed us, you know, like go to college, go to college, go to college as if it was like the only option for success. And I grew up thinking that, you know, yeah, college is great, but what happened to the more like blue collar jobs? Like what happened to, you know, going out of high school and just getting, you know, job in carpentry and just doing that? And, you know, a lot of these jobs are stagnating as well. There's, you know, so much that's changing in the U.S. economy and in the world's economy that there's massive groups of people getting left behind. And it's going to end up hurting everyone in the long run because if you keep chipping away at the base of a pyramid... The bricks at the top can't stand. Does that make, like, I don't, I don't really know a good analogy for it, but it's just one of those things of, like, you know, the the people at the bottom of the rung are who I believe holds everything up. You know, we've got the grunt jobs. We're the janitors, the food service workers. We're the... You know, we're the people who clean the bathrooms at, you know the hotel you stay at. We're the people who prepare the meals that you eat out when you're on business trips. You know, we're the people that, you know, it's just, it's all these jobs, all these people that kind of do the background, what would be deemed menial work is getting replaced. But they're not factoring in that, like, these people are a huge portion of the workforce 
and displacing that many people is going to send this country into turmoil. And I don't think anybody is really fully prepared to take that on. So it's, it's a little disheartening because, you know, I came of age, you know, I turned 18 in the year 2014. 2014, yes, 2014. 2015, 2014, one of those. And... You know, this was in the wake of, like, the 2008 housing crash. You know, like, my parents were kind of affected by that. And, you know, as were a lot of people around this country, you know, this housing bubble. But, um, you know, we're looking at another rising housing bubble. You know, these people that built these massive pseudo mansions that my generation isn't buying. We don't need that space. We don't, you know, we can't afford it. It's not feasible for people like us. We rent small apartments. We are, you know, we see all these, you know, little mini houses popping up in places, all these, you know, economical living, you know, self-sustainable, self-sustainable things that people are doing. And these, you know, McMansions that are all over the country are, you know, just sitting and it's really disheartening that, like, you know, we thought that our economy was going to prosper enough to the point that, you know, oh, our parents are going to get all these big houses and nice cars and everything's going to go in their favor. And then we're going to be able to do the same thing, except maybe a little bigger. And then our kids are going to be able to do the same thing, except maybe a little bigger. And everything's just going to keep growing. But all it's doing is inflating the bubble. And what really happened is our generation came into adulthood fully unprepared to take on you know the world and the state that it is we can't afford to go to school without taking out loans and you know as a lot of people know federal student loans aren't you know able to be written off on a bankruptcy you know it's the the, the general cop out is oh just pay it back but you know unless a unless a degree is going to guarantee us a job in the field that we spent thousands upon thousands of dollars studying for thousands of dollars that wasn't even our money to begin with you know if we're going to spend that that kind of money and it's not even our money we want to make sure that we're going to get a return on that investment that's that's sound investing you know that's wanting to make sure that if you take out a loan you can make sure you pay it back but the problem is is that people are going out and getting degrees people aren't hiring you know it's it's hard enough for people without high school diplomas, without college degrees to get jobs, but for that amount of people, there's almost as many people that have degrees that aren't hireable. They're not, you know, a part of the workforce and nobody will hire them. And that's that's a legitimate fear for a lot of people, I feel, is, you know, sinking yourself into debt right out the gate. And then not having an out, not having a way to pay that back, not having a leg up in life. And it's kind of a decision of like, you know, either you pass up playing the game and just struggle or you roll the dice and, you know, if you get a shitty hand, then you get a shitty hand. It's it's unacceptable. And I think that we as a nation can do better. And the more I look at it, the more I see the changes that are happening, 
in government on the world stage, you know, with, you know, the rise of different, you know, political leaders around the world that have kind of been inspired by, you know, certain political leaders here. It's, you know, I, we're, we're in the midst of the second fall of the Roman empire and the United States, I don't think is in very good shape. We're, we're suffering, we're struggling. You know, there's, I think something to the tune of 51% of the population is struggling to get by, you know, and the world's most prop, most prosperous economy, the most, you know, wealthy economy, you know, we have something to the tune of like a 22 trillion GDP right now. It's, it's ridiculous. The amount of, you know, money that is being moved around and made in this country, but all the people that are doing the grunt work for these major corporations and these CEOs that are getting massive raises. And that kind of goes back to what late stage capitalism is, is just, it's this idea that the markets are no longer serving the people. They're serving the corporations. And, you know, for companies like Amazon, let's say, you know, a lot of their employees don't make a lot of money. You know, they're, they, they're still on welfare programs like food stamps or, you know, nutrition, you know, uh, they call it shit. A lot of these Amazon workers are in a predicament of, you know, being on nutrition assistance or cash assistance or, you know, they're, they're needing some sort of benefits from the state or federal government just to get by. But the corporation itself didn't pay any taxes last year. And Jeff Bezos gave himself another raise. Like, that's a problem. People on certain sides of the argument want to say that, you know, it's, it's not a matter of corporate greed. It's a matter of, well, if you didn't earn that money, then you don't deserve a share of it. But that's the problem is that Jeff Bezos wouldn't have been able to give himself a raise without his hundreds of thousands of employees that he has, you know, tens of thousands of Amazon employees at the very least. You know, there's all these people that work for this company, but where's their share of the money that they earned this giant corporation? And that's kind of why we have taken to endorsing Andrew Yang's campaign just because he's the only candidate that really recognizes that this really is the end game of our country right now. And we are in the middle of this late stage capitalism. And he, in our opinion, is the only one that's prepared to take on the changes and actually address them in a way that's going to set us on the right track as a country. You know, I, I would love, 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 love to hear from people in other nations, you know, people that live elsewhere that are kind of seeing this from an outside perspective because the general consensus is that the U.S. is terrible and they're, you know, they, they, they're the, the bullies of the world and there's this whole idea of, you know, us being the bad guy in all these situations. And I honestly kind of agree with you. It's, it's hard to say, like, as an American, like, I love this country, but, 
yeah, no, we're bullies. Like we're, we're the guys that are going around messing everything up for other countries, you know, this stepping in for, you know, rebuilding governments and everything. And it's like, you know, Iraq, they didn't want us there. You know, we had no business going to Vietnam. There's all these instances throughout history that, you know, especially recent history where we've kind of consistently as a country stuck our noses in places that it didn't belong. And that's kind of distracting us from the fact that we are suffering. We're too busy helping and giving aid, so to speak, to these other countries and other places that frankly don't even want us there from what I understand. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. But from what I understand, they don't even want us there, but why are we spending money in these places when there's people here suffering? Like, I pay taxes in this country. I would like to think that those taxes are going to go towards helping my fellow countrymen to helping, you know, other citizens here as well as myself. But we've been fueling these endless wars. We've been going through, you know, all these... Ugh, I don't know how to phrase it. Going through all these changes that... Going through all these changes that are detrimentally affecting the middle and lower class. And, you know, people in like the median salary range, you know, in the comfortable salary range or, you know, they're not really seeing the effects too much. But, you know, taxes are going up. Cost of living is going up. You know, it's just little things that it helps to have. an economy that rewards good work, but at the same time, it's only rewarding the very tippy top of the 1% of people that are earning the most money in this country. And, you know, under the new tax plan, you know, they're, they're getting more money back and people in the middle to low income range are ending up paying more. And I don't think that's very fair. I don't think that that's the direction this country needs to go. Like, we don't need to be rewarding the super rich for exploiting their employees. We, do, we don't need to be doing that. You know, I think we need to be the ones setting an example around the world. And right now, you know, for the last several years, we've been setting a really poor example. And I think our leadership has forgotten that the world is watching us very closely and it's unnerving just knowing that things in this country are not ever going to be the same as we remember them being but also needing to accept the fact that change is necessary to move forward so I'll let you guys ponder that a little bit. I know it was a little bit of a ramble, a little bit of a rant, but it was just something I wanted to get off my chest. Um, we we go through life thinking, you know, from childhood that, you know, everything is okay, everything is good, you know, the sun is shining, everything's fine. But 
we fail to realize, you know, as adults that, you know, it's not, that's just not how things work. But I think there is this overall sense of complacency in my generation of just like, oh, well, this is how the way things are and that's just how they're going to be. But, you know, we have the power to change that. We have the power to, you know, turn things around for the better. It just takes people stepping up and doing the right thing. And part of the reason that I wanted to start this show with Jenner was, you know, he's a science communicator. You know, he loves, he loves talking about science, you know, like just seeing him here, like while we're discussing it, like his eyes light up, that's his passion. And I can tell that it's, you know, one of those things in his life that's really changed him for the better and really made him who he is today. And that's kind of me with, you know, studying politics kind of in an informal sense of just like, you know, I've gotten really, really politically involved since 2016 because like, you know, a lot of other people, you know, I got scared, you know, I was kind of shaken and woken up to the fact that like, okay, everything's not, everything's not what they, what they said it was. And it kind of triggered this innate response in me of like, you know, well, if we don't talk about it, who's going to, you know, bringing these things to light is, you know, the goal here. Like it's been a long time that vaccines were just accepted science. That was, you know, you get your vaccines, you don't get the diseases. But because of one false study written, now we have all these people that are, you know, oh, well, the thimerosal this, the mercury that, and, you know, this just spreading of misinformation is rampant in the science community. And I think bringing to light that, the same rampant spreading of misinformation is also very much alive in the political community. And I think it's important to talk about both. You know, we've gone through centuries and centuries, you know, gradually evolving, you know, improving our way of life, improving the way of life for others, you know, from, you know, the invention of indoor plumbing helped everybody. You know, pasteurization of dairy products helped everybody. Just gradual science, gradual scientific progress has brought us to where we are today. And I think that, you know, between religion and bad politics and, you know, a lot of old, you know, old ideas have been holding us back from our true potential, you know, like as, you know, not even as a country, I think just humanity as a whole. You know, bad politics and religion have held back progress, I think, more than anything than I can even bother to imagine. And, you know, if if you're a person of faith, you know, that's that's one thing good for you. But the overall scope of, you know, when when churches controlled the government in old England you know, that was not a very good time for a lot of people. But, you know, history shows us that when, you know, science and progress is, you know, at the forefront, everybody does better. Everybody 
lives better. And yeah, we've come a long way, let's say in the last hundred years up until now, but I think we could be doing better as a country, as, you know, as the human race, you know, there's so many things that we could do to, you know, share the wealth and share, you know, the prosperity of, you know, what this world has to offer. You know, there's this greed and this, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme attitude in the upper echelons that, you know, it, it ends up hurting everybody below them. But like I said earlier about, you know, the pyramid can't stand if the base crumbles beneath it. And, you know, we're unfortunately at the base of the pyramid. Um, but it's important not to lose sight. It's important not to lose hope because we have one of the largest groups of millennials coming of voting age in the next couple of years. And I think if we got more people politically involved and, you know, into rational thinking and critical thinking, you know, not just accepting whatever said, you know, it's, we've got this idea that people just accept whatever their favorite people say and don't question it. And I've always been the type, and I'm sure Jenner would agree, you know, in his own life as well, that he was the same way to just question everything. And I think that's a very important thing for us to do is not just accept the status quo, but rather question everything that we know. Because complacency breeds inadequacy. And I, you know, I don't feel that for us being such a wealthy nation, such a, you know, well-off nation, you know, one of the most powerful forces in the world, you know, it's, we can do better. And, you know, it's, it's just something for us all to think about and for us all to ponder. Um... So with that, I will bid you all adieu. So my general idea for this show is that, you know, we've always kind of mentioned from the get-go about how we wanted it to be like um, an open forum. Like, we want to have our listeners really, truly engage with us. That's why we, you know, we have a, uh, we have our Google voice number that you can call and leave a voicemail at. Um, we have our email. If you guys want to send us an email or a message or any articles or links to things that you guys want to hear us talk about or discuss on the show, um, we have the ability, you know, you can send us a message on our Facebook group. Uh, we'll have... You know other social media platforms and stuff up we just got our website going as well um, it's a pretty simple WordPress based site but it gets the job done for right now um, but yeah I just um, I really want you guys to get involved and direct the conversation because like you know the show isn't about us like it's it's about everybody that's you know contributing to it and pitching in and you know it's it's only going to be as good as the content that we create, you know, and 
the content that we want to create is going to be very, very heavily based around what our listeners want to hear and what our listeners want to talk about. So as our audience grows, like, you know, it'll, it'll stretch out into a lot of different topics and that's kind of the goals we want to cover, you know, a little bit of everything and, you know, kind of give, you know, light to the people and the individuals out there that really contribute to making the world go around. And we're kind of um, in a position to really reach out to a lot of folks in different areas of expertise. And I think that that's a really powerful tool and we, we really want to utilize it. We really want to open up the conversation. So, you know, if there's any, if there's any articles or stories or, you know, anything that, you know, you guys as our listeners want to share with us or want to bring up on the show or, you know, anything like that, like we really highly encourage it. You know, we're trying to go for more of a, you know, down the line, bit of a comedic aspect to it, you know, lighten things up a little bit. But at the same time, like, you know, we want to, we want to keep the discussion open to you guys because without you guys, it wouldn't be possible. Anyway, cheers. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It might not seem like a lot, but it really helps get the show out there so more people can find it. MindWave is entirely listener-supported. If you'd like to support the show, you can send a one-off donation on PayPal, or you can get access to bonus content and the after show on Patreon. MindWave is also entirely listener-driven. If you'd like to join the conversation, check out our Facebook group. You'll find past episodes and more on our website, mindwave.media. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, ideas, or suggestions, shoot us an email at mindwavepodcast at gmail.com. Mindwave is produced by Studio Stargazer. Copyright 2019.